0: The whole process begins with data. It, it begins with the ability to you know acquire, process, make sense of, and draw insights from the, the data that, that they're engaged with. It's everything. It's the, the thing that will drive the innovation that we need um, to, to, to grow as a society beyond the, beyond the pandemic.
1: What's up, folks? I'm your host, Adley Christoffels, and you're listening to A Curious Life, the show where we delve into how the trait of curiosity has impacted the lives and careers of our guests. Campfire-like discussions that serve as a window into the essence of who they are. Today's guest, Richard Potter, is the inspiration for the show's campfire-like discussions. And our conversations always leave me moved and inspired in some material way. And I firmly believe we are twins in some weird parallel universe. So now we find out how he has come to be the energetic and impactful speaker and leader he is. Welcome to the show, Richard. Great to have you.
0: It's great to be here. Great to be here.
1: Cool. So, so look, as you know, we want to essentially get to understand the essence of our guests, right? Uh, we want to know what makes you tick. We want to know what brings you alive. And we want to know how the trait of curiosity has impacted you over your life and career uh, from when you were young through to now. Uh, so, so what we'll do is we'll have campfire-like discussions. Uh, imagine yourself, we're sitting around a campfire and we're telling the story of our lives. Uh, and tag, you're it. So before we get into the the essence of Richard, <laughs> tell me. What does curiosity mean to you?
0: Wow. Uh, So, Hadley, I think curiosity ultimately is the measure of your success to navigate the world. It's just, it's so important to me. What it really is in my head, at least, is that little sweet spot between humility and confidence. It's the humility to recognize that there's learning everywhere, but it's, it's coupled with that that self-confidence to investigate and make sense of it. And it's that fine balance between those two bits and your ability to sit in that sweet spot, I would contend is the, the greatest ability that you can have in your life.
1: That makes sense. In fact, I think I take the confidence thing just one step further in saying it's also the confidence to ask questions because so many people don't, have the confidence to ask questions that most of the times everybody else in the room would ask if only they had the self-confidence to know that the lack of understanding a specific question or having the answer to a specific question doesn't define your worth.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's so that's so true, Hathaway. It is that confidence of inquiry, isn't it, rather than the the confidence of conceit and yes. thinking that there is no more to know. So it is, yeah, I, I mean, it's in that that location.
1: Awesome, yeah. I love that. In fact, one of the things I always say is, and, and this, it's not being cocky, but it's being confident in your ability to learn something. And I firmly believe that I can do anything that anyone else can do as long as I've had the same exposure to get to that point because nobody just knows what they know or can do what they do well without what has come before.
0: So that's great. And, you know, and I think this is what the topic of your conversations are with with your guests in this space is is that 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 exposure. How did everybody through exposure through their lives equip themselves with the ability to be curious? That's where we are.
1: Awesome. So speaking of life now, come on, tell us, where were you born? Did you have siblings? You know, how many? What were your parents like? Give give us give us a little window into your world, Jimmy.
0: Well, I mean, I, I kind of feel now, beholden that we've got this sort of curiosity narrative and editorial on my life, so it, so it sort of it kind of makes more sense that way, I think. Um, I was I was born in Africa. Um yeah. I, was, I was born in in actually quite a remote part of southern Zambia, um, yeah. and the, the the extraordinary thing is is that I was I was born to um, a couple of I suppose. I don't know. I mean, lower middle class, upper working class. Um, you know, uh, folk that went out to Africa completely. What did nigh- they go do out there? Well, it was my my father. My father was a very bright guy that managed to get a scholarship to his grammar school, and and then uh, then got into Cambridge, and and then became an agronomist. I know
1: exactly what that is. Don't
0: even bother explaining. (laughs) In other words, what is an agronomist? Let let me indulge you. I mean, he's an agricultural advisor. So he was an expert in plants, in crops, and um, in in growing grass and maize and things like that. And at that time, which I suppose was sort of the late 60s, many of the, the British Empire territories were now independent. But but the the British Commonwealth was 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 seeding these these new countries with with experts, um, and my father was was one of them, and he was dispatched out to uh, a small town in in southern Zambia um, to help run a research station to to look at impact on crops and production and also to train up local experts so that they could they could sort of pick up some of that expertise and and harness it for their own country's development. So I mean the the thing that always strikes me when whenever I talk to my parents about their journey there was was their naivety, their utter naivety <laughs> about what what on earth they were doing, particularly my mother who who I think had 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 maybe a a single trip to the continent beforehand but had never ventured you know out into the wilderness at all there was something there about that curiosity that and and the self-confidence to be to be curious in that space don't you think
1: that naivety is actually essential because you know because sometimes
0: we overthink things
1: and 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 you know back to kids kids just go oh well I'm gonna try this, right? Yeah, exactly. And and the naivety is actually, I think it's a strength. Because sometimes we overthink things and we stop ourselves from doing something even before we've tried it.
0: Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And and I I do I reflect on quite quite regularly. My my father passed away in 2012. Um, and I had the privilege of standing up and saying a few words at his funeral. And I can remember there was one line that I very 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 frivolously threw into what i was saying about him was was that much of my childhood and and my my two siblings i have an elder sister and a younger brother um much of our experiences as children growing up in africa um were defined by the fact that most situations we were in we were overconfident and under equipped yeah (laughs) awesome and and then and then solve it and then and then deal with it. But does um, that
1: mean that actually it wasn't being overconfident if you actually solve the problem in the end it wasn't overconfidence? It exactly. just meant it was harder than you thought it
0: would be. It's a nice little way in a in a in a homily to my father. But you, you know, I think that that ability to you know to go out into some of the, you know, the, the biggest wildernesses that that you can imagine um, get get absolutely lost. Um, but then have this belief that you can negotiate your way out of this. Yeah. Um, my my childhood is littered with those stories, littered absolutely awesome. with them.
1: So um, come and tell us more then. So you, you mentioned siblings. So your your mom and your dad, that's <laughs> they sound amazing, and a massive influence in your life. I would I would no doubt imagine. Yeah, siblings.
0: I've got a, an elder sister. My sister Sarah was born two years before me. Uh, and then my 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 brother was five and a half years uh, younger than me. Um, we were all born in Africa. Me and my sister were born in Zambia, but by the time my my brother came along we'd actually we'd actually relocated and moved to Kenya. Um, but we were still we were still living a, a slightly, I, I don't know, a, a, an intrepid life of, yeah. of some description um, and uh, and experiencing experiencing, you know, drama and lessons and learning in in every every day that we we survived. Um, and it was it was terrific and and, wow. you know, and very much defined by the attitude of my parents, the, the way that my my parents dealt with. They, I mean, these weren't life-threatening situations in any way, but the yeah. way that the, the little dramas that, that we were exposed to as, you know, as kids growing up, I'm, I'm sure I carry that with me now. And it drives that curiosity that, that I have that we're, we're now talking about.
1: Fantastic. And, and what about the local people? What was life like? I mean, how old were you when you left? But before you get there, you know, what was school like? Um, what, 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 was your interaction with other kids and people like, and families around where you were?
0: The way I remember it you yeah, know, everywhere that we lived, because of the nature of my, my father's work, we lived out of town. We lived out in, you know, out, out not, not in the back of beyond, but, but certainly out of rural, in a rural environment, in a, a sort of an agricultural environment, sure. Um, close to, close to the local community, um, yeah. I, I went to school in in relatively privileged circumstances i tended to go to school at, at british schools that were were equipping me for you know the kind of education that my parents felt that that i needed um, but much of my 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 life outside school was was in the community um and i think you know that it that, that was always very important for my parents to to remember the privilege that that I had and to you know to 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 accept that that those that were surrounding us were were significantly less less privileged than we were. Yeah. Um, so I I mean I am very I'm very conscious of that as, as as you know as we as we've grown up. And it's something and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it later on, but I the 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 deep connection that I still retain with Africa I think is very much influenced by by those those kinds of uh, values that my parents were instilling in me at that at that young age.
1: okay um, and and how did that contrast? so so I'm assuming just quickly how old were you when you then left uh, Africa? essentially.
0: So I was, I, my entire childhood was in Africa. And I think my parents left Africa when I was at university back in the UK. I see. So you lived like all the way through even high school. lived, lived all the way there. Um, When I was 13, I was dispatched back over to the UK for boarding school, but but I was still journeying, journeying back out to Africa three times a year and spending my holidays out there.
1: So, okay, cool. Now, what was the contrast like? You, you know, so essentially, you spend your, your your days in the social side of life within the community, and you will spend your schooling within, yeah, I, I guess what was what is what was more of a, a British um, environment, right? Yeah. yeah. What, what what was that like, um, and how did that impact you, you your way of thinking, and um, you know, conversing with others?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I—it's different. I mean, it's, this is this is relatively distant, and I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm sure I'm, I'm post-rationalizing a significant amount of it. But, but I certainly felt that we, you know, we were very, we were very exposed to the challenges that the, you know, the, the local communities uh, were facing at that time. Um, you know, it was it was a, an environment within which you. You, you weren't you weren't experiencing starvation and famine but you know you could, you were very aware of things like the impact of the rains and whether you know the rains would come on crop harvests and um my father being my father was was always stepping forward trying to help um you know the challenges that that local local you know local farmers might have you know that, that maybe their, their their maize silo had burned down and he would be out fixing that or he would be dealing with you know with 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 mothers that had very poorly children and um, and I tagged along for much of that. I certainly remember yeah. parts of my childhood being with my father and visiting um, visiting communities a, a lot. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was okay, it, cool. it was a context. It was a, a backdrop to to much of much of what I was I was experiencing as I grew up.
1: Okay, so that kind of takes us through your your primary school career. Right? So we, so we know that at thirteen, uh, the the dynamics change a little. And you're off to boarding school um back in England, right? Yeah. Where, where where was that?
0: I actually went to boarding school up in North Wales. So my in North Wales, I, Wales. okay. My, my my parents originally come from the northwest of England. They're from they're from the Wirral near. Ah, near the okay. So um so Border of Wales essentially, right? In order to be close to my grandparents who were still living up in that part of the world, I went to I went to boarding school up there and I had a terrific time. I you know, I I loved the um the independence that I felt, at awesome. I, I, you know, I, I, I genuinely felt that, um, that I was, I've been given this opportunity to be responsible on my own, I think, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Um, and built some great friendships and some of the friendships that I built there they're still still with me today.
1: And what was, what was high school like then? And, and so, so now you, you, you essentially, as you say, you know, you, you're learning at a very young age where normally kids would have that level of independence going into high school by perhaps my son is in fact going, oh, I can't even imagine that time has gone by so quickly. But he is starting high school in September. And one of the things that he's looking forward to is this level of independence that he gets to go to school on his bike. Mom and dad are like, oh, freaking out. You know, is he going to cross the road safely? <laughs> my boy, my baby. But he is um, he's relishing it. You know, but you kind of got that on steroids, not just are you going to school and coming back home Ooh. by yourself. You are away on a different continent from your parents. And I can completely understand now. You know, yeah, I need to grow up. I need to learn. Yeah. And I need to I, mean, learn,
0: you know. I, I think back at some of the anecdotes and I am incredibly aware of the immense privilege that I, I experienced in being able to go to boarding school and then to be able to travel, travel back to you know, you know, a very beautiful and warm country like Kenya for my yeah. days, um, but. But the independence in in that was was stark, and and you know the idea that as a thirteen year old, you would get on a train from North Wales, make sure you've got your passport, and there's a yeah. there's a story behind one of those trains where I forgot my passport, probably <laughs> fourteen, travel down to London, cross London, you know, get out to an air, an airport, get on About the your train, <laughs> <laughs> well, at one point without my passport. Um, and, you know, and there, there are many opportunities in, in like that, um, that that are there for problem solving. And in that instance, particularly the, the experience where I got halfway to London on the train before I realized that I had forgotten my passport, you don't panic because you're recalling that time when you've been stuck in the bush in Africa. Uh, overconfident and under equipped <laughs> and you, you know think, what okay what, what what can i do I'm, i've i got to think this problem through and you you somehow get through it and, and make it happen
1: when growing up without much you essentially are growing up in an environment that forces you to be innovative forces you to think outside the box to achieve something without necessarily you know, all of the right resources, uh, whether that's money, whether that's time, whether that's equipment, whether that's access to education. I think you are 100% right. It's it's not really about the independence. It's about cultivating that ability to look at a challenge and have the confidence to go, look, there is a way through this and we'll find it. And it might not look the way that, you know, uh, we might kind of envision it at first but there's going to be a way through this there's going to be a way around this we will be okay
0: yeah Um, and 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 listen Hadley I mean there are people that face incredibly difficult challenges and you know these are relatively frivolous experiences that we're talking about but the thing the thing that that strikes me about it is how easily I made the association between the fact that when you're in a moment of difficulty you don't panic you You become curious and problem solve, and we and I'm I'm sure I, I I I see a very close line between that and the way that I was brought up by my parents. It's it's very obvious.
1: Cool. So so the rest of high school then, and I think I mean already I think we've touched on a big part of you, a big part of the way that you go about things, and also why that has come about and how that was installed in you. Is there anything else? within your kind of high school career per se that was memorable to you or something that you feel, you know, this had a significant impact on me, or it was kind of a, a key moment that that showed up because of curiosity.
0: Yeah. I mean I suppose the, the the big thing that I would probably draw from that was was that I had an incredibly well rounded education i never did anything brilliantly but i did lots of things relatively well um so i i made kind of the the sort of second team sports teams i i was in the, the 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 drama activities and i was in the school plays and i i did relatively well academically um i i just i i i had a really broad experience of of life through there and made some really really good friendships and obviously some great education from from the teachers that that I had so I think that sort of presented me to the world at the end of this journey with a rounded education I was you know relatively confident about doing the maths associated with the engineering career that I then followed but equally curious about literature and language and drama and sport and, and all of those other things.
1: How does that funnel into then choosing what to study and where to go for the next part, which is university?
0: I mean, I, I can't consciously remember, you know, the, the decision that, well, you know, I'm clearly going to go into engineering and that's where it's going to be. But but I can, I can absolutely post-rationalize it as being that it is a problem-solving career. That's what engineering is to me. 100%. Um, and if you're curious about solving problems, that's that's what you do. That's, what, okay. that's the motor that keeps you going through engineering.
1: So what did you study then? And which university was it at?
0: I did electrical engineering. I did the degree at Imperial in London, but, but probably more importantly, I did that within what was called in those days, a thick sandwich degree course. It was a sort of a sponsored experience where you did a year off before university working for an employer and you did your three years at university working back for your employer in the summer holidays and then you had a final sandwich year at the end of it working for the employer before you ultimately graduated from the scheme. Um, Understood. And I did that with the Ministry of Defence. So I, nice. I, got, I got, you know, I got signed up as a civil servant at the age of 18 um, and had an incredible year off um, before going to university um, doing really practical engineering skills development. You know, not not just electronics, which is what I was gonna go, go on to university, but but mechanical engineering and learning how to use a lathe and to you know use a use a milling machine and to you know, get my hands dirty, you know, bending metal and welding and all of that kind of thing.
1: That um, sounds so cool. Incredible. So give give us some examples
0: of that. So that first
1: year, the, the you know, the, the year that you said you you managed to do some interesting Uh, engineering projects what what was it what did you do
0: I mean imagine I I think there were gosh it it feels like there were about probably about 30 of us 30 of us sent off to uh, a, a sort of a youth hostel that lived on the side of an airfield down in Farnborough we were schooled during the day so we had lessons but most of those lessons were practical and, you know, you'd be learning a little bit of, I don't know, it could be sort of wiring theory. And then in the afternoon, you'd be getting out a breadboard and creating circuits and, and building projects. And it was in, incredibly wow. hands-on and practical.
1: And, and did that kind of resonate with the kind of stuff that you would see your dad get up to? Because it, it wasn't like you could go there and just be a specialist, right? Especially, you, mean, you, you described a very variant problem set that people around you faced and your dad kind of helping with sick children and also um, things being burnt down, which I I guess meant building it back up And, and agriculture. So going into a forest and going, well, how can we use this space to to better grow things that the people can eat. So, so it's very variant,
0: right? The desire to make things and fix things is that, you know, as my dad, he was an inveterate tinkerer and, a, you know, was a, you know, underneath the car and building things. And, you know, that, that, so de- definitely, I think probably more in, in terms of the way that your, your you know, your, your line of question is going there, is, is more that it was about building a community that, that I was very aware at the age of 18 that, I was now on my own. I was out of a boarding school where things are fairly managed and curated for you. but you're now in a community of other eighteen year olds um, who are relatively independent and you've sure. got you're getting paid, you've got money, you've got you've got some responsibilities with that. Um, so the more interesting things I think that relate to this at that time were, you know, organising events and activities, and I, you know, I, I, I was responsible of, you know, in that group of sort of putting on two or three big events for the group yeah. and trying to get, you know, some of the people. There were there were certainly people in that group that were perhaps less comfortable with the independence and making the transition from school to the, the world of work. So, so uh,
1: this is a big moment for you socially as well, I guess, because it's it's going from 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 back in africa to a boarding school that is quite regimented as you say but of course you make lifelong friends as you as you've just said but going into a social dynamic such as this is different right
0: yeah, de- definitely. It was, I mean, the more I look at that year, the more I see that year as being the thing that kind of set me on my path for what I wanted to do long term. I mean, there was always an open question about whether I would actually come back to the UK. Um, I remember, you know, thinking as I left school that I would probably end up going back to Africa and living in Africa. And, you know, that was my, where I was born. I'd spent my entire childhood. I think that year rooted me in the uk because of the community that i was part of and was was part of helping to build and to get involved with um i i feel that then kind of i didn't know it at the time but that probably began to connect me more back with the uk a great experience i mean for someone at that young age you know getting again that kind of very rounded practical Immersion into the world without jumping straight from school into another bit of academia at university. Yeah. You know, I think it was a it was a really nice little transition to do.
1: Perfect. So then we have
0: the three years that you spend
1: at university and going back to the MOD, uh, or the Ministry of Defence, in summer holidays. Yeah. Yeah. What within those three kind of uni years or hardcore uni years would you call out as? You know moments that you will remember.
0: I did. I did a degree, and I, I have to confess, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the qualification, and I enjoyed the degree. But the, you know, doing the academic side of my degree was was not a massive part of my yeah. my time at university. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I played a lot of rugby, and I okay. thr- thoroughly enjoyed the the rugby club. Um, I, I, I can't necessarily claim that the standard of rugby was particularly brilliant, but the you played. The quality of the the friendships and the the experiences that we had as a as a as a rugby club during my time at university was was incredible.
1: Would Would Um, you say this experience with rugby also kind of strengthened your more of the kind of teamwork type ethos?
0: Yeah, I mean, I you know, and I still coach rugby now, and and, and Ah. I I love I love rugby as a sport, but I love rugby because of the teamwork. That's it's in my in my book at least it is. It's it's defined by the team performance. You yeah. you will never win a game of rugby if you've got one precocious talented individual. It's only through the team that you will win. Absolutely. But But aside from that, I mean, I you know I I loved I loved the rugby. And then I had this this wonderful privilege of every summer, I'd earn money, I'd go back to work, and I would do really really exciting practical projects. Gotcha. Um, I, I recall one project where. I think it was probably in between year one and year two where I went away to a radar development site run by the MOD in the middle of nowhere. Um I wasn't That's doing so anything. awesome. I, I wasn't doing anything that was gonna contribute necessarily to the defense of the realm, but but I had to I had to create a weather station that logged the weather so that the effect of the humidity and the temperature could be correlated with the effect of the radar performance that was doing it but i I spent this summer rigging up you know various bits of telemetry on poles and and then writing you know in my book at least an incredibly elaborate computer program that that polled this telemetry and and that sounds
1: so exciting (laughs)
0: together and create. And it was literally, you know, the end of the thing, you'd sort of step back and go, look, oh, look what I made. I, I mean, did it. Was... it. Yay. <laughs> and yeah, and, uh, you know, that was, those were my summers. So okay. yeah, re- really, really, really brilliant time. Oh, that yeah.
1: sounds fantastic, man. And then, uh, so so, what, what about that last year? Then? So now you finish your three years uh, in order to gain the qualification, you need to do one solid year. And you know, the cool thing is, is as you said, even in just summer projects, you did awesome stuff like that. So finishing that final year with the MOD must have been, you know, exciting. Or, or rather, it's it's something that you don't mind getting up for in the morning.
0: Terrific, terrific. And I think I think probably the, the final year as you're sort of growing up and you've done your degree and you I think I was probably realizing at that point that I was never going to be a technical. Engineer. I was never going to be in a lab. I was never going to be, you know, at the cutting edge of academic research. But I still loved the engineering that I was operating in. But I was probably appreciating at that time some of my strengths in terms of communication and, and, and management and, and leadership and, and things like that. So as I from my degree into that sort of transition year into the world of work, I, I I moved more into project management and consultancy at that, at that space within within defence engineering as a as a as an environment.
1: I was um, I was actually just going to say that I can now for for the listeners, Richard is a phenomenal uh, communicator. He inspires. He, you know, the way that he structures what he says is it's very much, you know, conscious of. Who he's speaking to, and how to inspire them to achieve more. Right, he is really phenomenal at what he does. Um, and what I was going to say, Richard, is listening to your story, right? Uh, how you were inspired to think a little differently, the the things that you were exposed to, the teamwork in the rugby, the the social aspect of that first year. I can absolutely see all of those things in you. You know, uh, and and it's just. It's it's interesting to me and kind of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast because now not only do I know what you're like but I know why you're like that yeah. um, and what inspired it and it's it's pretty cool so
0: thank you thank you it's I mean, pretty cool. it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's it's lovely and, and and very indulgent so stop it but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, do, I mean, there, there, there is there is something in that that you know probably the end of that that coming out of university and going into the world of work where, where you you know you grow up and you become a lot more self aware and you suddenly realize that actually maybe you are the person that tends to explain things or or bring things to life or and you're you're noticing the reaction that you you get from people you're becoming much more empathetic and things like that. And, and, and you know, those have, those things have stayed with me, and they're, they're probably things that I've emphasized and built on in my career.
1: A quick shout out to our sponsor, Heights. In their words, Heights makes smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help us take care of our brains, so it can take care of us. I came across Heights when I set off on a trip, and surprisingly it's still going, where I wanted to take better care of mind, body and soul. So along with doing more exercise, drinking less alcohol, drinking more water, I wanted to be intentional about doing things that would help my mind be sharper. Long story short, I came across Heights and found the short, snappy podcast episodes with qualified experts quite enlightening. But as my wife would no doubt agree, I've always been a huge skeptic when it comes to supplements. I never felt compelled to take it regularly. Even my daughter got involved in trying to make sure I take the ones we have at home, (laughs) but not even that helped. Yet, here I was, receptive to new things, so I took the plunge with an initial 3 month subscription. And I'm still a customer today, and feeling great for it. Now I have no doubt that how I feel is as a result of all the changes I made, but I am convinced that the supplements is playing its part. So if you want to give it a go too, Wander over to yourheights.com and use a Curious Life 10 at the checkout for a 10% discount. So now you've finished this amazing period with the MOD, um, and you're about to head off onto your next chapter. What does that look like? Where did you go? Well, and how think, did it come about?
0: Yeah, I stayed with the MOD for okay. another, gosh, another, I think probably another seven years. Oh, I, I really? Really? I carried on carried on from from there and um carried on doing more more and more project management working in typically you know weapon system procurement and um across across the navy across the air force across the army again
1: oh,
0: again trying to sort of be as as broad and as grounded and as i as, yeah. as possibly could be um, can, can i can i just
1: quickly stop you there no no for me this is kind of the way that i see curiosity You know, I see it as the driving force to find your true north, right? Because no matter what situation you're put into, if you're curious, you always want to understand the composite parts and how they fit together. But you do that from almost a sense of your core. So it's like adding bits and pieces to you. And this sounds like a similar kind of scenario where you started with the MOD, um, you know, but there was more to know. And it's almost like a perfect example how curiosity has naturally led you down a path where you are acquiring more knowledge, but knowledge that is of interest to you and knowledge that integrates with the rest of you. Does that resonate?
0: I I think the only thing that doesn't sit with me in that is, is that I have no need to find my true north. I'm curious in a sense of, I just want to experience the world around me not necessarily with any particular direction of travel um i have never been a very life planned individual i have recognized that everything that has happened to me is serendipitous it's it's, it's it's, i've probably created a context that emphasizes certain chances of things happening within it um but I I have never I have never never wantonly said that I really would like to understand what direction I'm going in.
1: I completely agree with you, Richard. It's not the fact that you are heading towards a, a well defined place. It's more it, that it's something that is of interest and, and you are drawn towards a certain direction.
0: There's something in this, I, 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 I think we're, we're together on this, Hadley, but there's something, something in this that, that, that struck me later, that, that, you know, as you get grey hairs and, and you get asked to provide career advice, as, you know, quite yeah. often, uh, the, one of the, the sort of the urgent breathless questions that younger people ask you is, is the, um, what, what, what should I do next? What what should be my next but one career move or whatever? And they they're I think they're they're imagining because this is the expectation that's been set, that that people who like me who have reached a certain age have had a planned route through their career, um, and and it isn't like that, and we know that it's not like that at mm-hmm. all. But but more helpfully, what you find yourself saying is is that rather than um expending the intellectual horsepower on trying to plan out what's next and what the next but one move etc is um expend that energy on equipping yourself with the infrastructure so that when that serendipity happens you are best able to take advantage of that yes and that those bits of infrastructure are things like um being well connected, I was nearly said networked, but but being being more more connected into a community of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that not not so that you can necessarily take advantage of those connections, but that you can understand what people are talking about and what, you know, what 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 opportunities perhaps are available in there. Um, But also, you know, giving yourself some of those basic, broader qualifications that, that I've certainly reflected on as being, okay, well, now I've got this breadth to be able to push into that area and develop the depth as I move into that next stage of my career. Yeah. So there's yeah. there is that Agreed. sort of build the infrastructure for serendipity rather than think that you're necessarily going to be very sharp point tip yes. of the arrow. We're going to be p- pushing that way forwards. I
1: mean, this is so weird because literally just this morning, I'm doing the school run at the moment and I was taking my kids to school and my son clearly was reflecting on high school uh, and going to high school. And like, how long does high school take that? I don't know what I want to do with my-. I'm like. There is time yet. And even when you come to make a decision, right, nothing you decide now will be the thing that determines what you'll do for the rest of your life. And in fact, most people that come out of university, use very little of what they've learned because that learning process isn't necessarily about the content, especially in things like technology, where you come out at the other end of three years. And what you've learned is already outdated, right? But yeah. it's also about the process of learning and about the social bits and about the leadership and about everything you've just mentioned. Um, but com- completely agreed. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, so we now uh, seven years into your your, and I'm 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 assuming no doubt a few more very interesting projects across the navy, the army, and and you've kind of extended your your reach uh, per se or your understanding of how the MOD works. Is there anything else just before we move on? Because what I want to move on to next is, okay, what comes after the MOD, um, you know, but is there anything else that you well, think? I think, really?
0: I think it's that transition from that great experience I had working for the MOD in my twenties and lots of great adventures that that definitely helped define me. But there was a transition point as I came to the end of my time with the MOD where I, I, I did an MBA and I had a, it wasn't so much whether it was an MBA or not, but I had a, a year out working academically on, you know, on business subjects. And that definitely set me on my course um, to, for, for the next bit of my career. And, and that was a significant moment of discovery for me because it made me realize that probably one of the best environments where I could use these problem-solving engineering tool sets that I'd, I'd developed along with the communication skills that I was becoming increasingly aware of was management consultancy. That was the shift that, that was happening in my mind at that time. Um, and so I left the MOD and, and joined what was at the time Gemini Consulting and became, became a management consultant and really started to kind of then feel that actually the thing that, that that I really enjoyed was generally business advisory. I sort of started to reframe myself as being less of a, an electrical and electronic engineer to being more of a business engineer. Yeah, <laughs> I, wanted, yeah, I, wanted, yeah. I wanted to look at business from a, a kind of an engineering point of view yeah. um, and, and use the same kinds of, curiosity and problem-solving skills that I'd used in my engineering uh, experience into the world of business. Makes Um, perfect
1: sense. And I think with alongside clear communication or the ability to communicate things clearly is is a massive boon for the business community.
0: You know, your self-awareness is now, I mean, I was, I think I was probably, what was I probably late late twenties, early thirties at this point. And um, I was, you know, I'd become a father as well. And, you know, I got, I got married to the girl that I'd started going out with while I was at university. And it was, you know, li- life was life was suddenly much richer and much bigger yeah, and everything. Yeah. And you're you're um you know you're 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 then building on um you know a really solid platform and and yeah. thinking, okay, what am I gonna what am I gonna do next? And business advisory was was where I really wanted to get to. At point
1: point was your first child born
0: I was 29 when when
1: Matthew was born when Matthew was born and that at what point of the journey was Matthew born so I was that transition
0: point I was in the middle of my MBA
1: okay yeah and the reason I ask is I mean as a dad that is a moment when you know that your priorities have shifted um you know and and or at least as far as i was concerned not that i became someone else it's just more that i was a little bit more focused on the future where as before you know it was yeah i want to do stuff you know that that i'm interested in and i was still like that but but the priorities certainly became a lot more crisper um when when must
0: rocked up, i mean every every parent will will say that there's life before kids and and then yeah. you have kids and it's everything is put in a different perspective yeah.
1: so so gemini consulting did you say
0: so i joined gemini consulting which then became cap gemini and and really and well it it was you know it got absorbed into acquired by okay um, cool properly um but that was a very short period of time for me because within a year the dot-com crash happened and i was very brutally one morning made redundant i literally had the classic experience of going into work saying saying goodbye to to my wife and she was off to her work and i said goodbye and i said see you see you for supper and then phoning her in the afternoon saying i'm coming home that's it lunch so yeah that's insane and and it was i remember at the time actually not not necessarily appreciating the consequence of that but thinking gosh this is an experience um this is actually quite there's quite a bit of adrenaline here and become becoming quite aware of it all um and it's something you hold on to and i you know unfortunately i've been in the other side of that conversation, where I've had to have that difficult conversation with employees and say, "I'm, I'm sorry, but um, you might have to phone your wife and say that you're you're coming home as well," and you know. It, um, so that that ability to be able to perhaps empathise with that is another bit of that uh, uh, accretion of experience that you've you've had along the along the way.
1: No, agreed. I think both sides of the coin there they they can be very emotional and they certainly have a, a lasting impact. Not saying you know that that it necessarily uh, scars you for life, but it certainly adds towards you know or contributes towards how you think.
0: Uh, yeah. and how you
1: approach things yeah so so what happened then after that where where do we go from
0: there well i joined um what became stereo at that ah, okay cool which is ultimately where our, our we met was. um and i joined stereo as a as a management consultant and i i, I so i joined a stereo as as, as a french systems integrator uh, as it as it as it was um and i joined the consulting practice and um, did, did what I really wanted to do. And I, and I loved it. And
1: yeah, you were so good at it. I mean, you know, towards the end, at least you know, when we, our paths crossed, um, it's almost like you just found you in your space, you know, you found this place where, where, what you do is respected and valued. Um, and when looking, when looking at you, you've you looked alive
0: (laughs) i mean it was you know it was a terrific place to work and I, i remember it because of the people that i worked with and it was just a collection of really collegiate and empowering individuals that that wanted to you know earnestly wanted to solve problems for their customers which is which is what i wanted to do yeah um and so i i did all that but in the backdrop to that you know my life was going on i had you know two two more kids i was getting very connected into the community where i was i was living in bristol by now. And um, Mm. I was setting up a football club and, uh, you know, and immersing myself in in all of this Abramovich. Well, (laughs) (laughs) yes, yes. Yes. yes, Perhaps not quite on that, but, but I, you know, uh, you know, my kids wanted to play football and there wasn't really a football club that they could play in. So um, I, I remember, I remember setting up a football club, but, but not, not because in any, you know, my footballing ability in any way, but more that I wanted to build a community around football and um and you know by the time i stepped down as chairman of the football club i you know i think the football club had grown to sort of 300 odd kids in it which which was which was incredible and and 300 families That's all amazing. all in one community so very busy time. As, and does
1: that as, does that kind of go back to your 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 Africa days as well, where it is more about the community and, and the community around you?
0: Definitely. My, my parents were uh, you know expats that had to go and live out in relatively remote parts of the world and build a community around them. And. Yeah. Much of what I, uh, I'm aware that I have done very probably quite consciously and things like building football clubs and, and other things that I've done as well is yeah. about, you know, following my parents' lead and building a community around it.
1: Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. So, OK, so then there's another transition. So after Soposteria, what happened then?
0: After Subastaria, I joined Microsoft. I I, um, I became the Chief Technology Officer for Microsoft Consulting Services, where where I am now, and um, joined a you know, a global big tech company. Um, but a big tech company with well, as appears to me, and you know was was definitely the reason why I wanted to join it, with a clear purpose um led with strong values and um a very a very clear commercial focus but a commercial focus grounded in in you know wanting every person and an organization in the planet to achieve more yeah. um which is which is which is where i want to be too which yeah, is um, fantastic so and, and with the resources and
1: and and you know yeah. and the, the skills and just the clout to to do so
0: much good but but also with the growth mindset, which was which is a huge element of being part of Microsoft, and um, you know this, this is something that you I latched onto very early on. It's it's the motor behind curiosity, that humility to to want to, as Satya Nadella would say, instead of be a know it all, but be a learn it all. That's what we do inside Microsoft. Which is and do you, do you think
1: this this kind of uh, uh, transition from The Microsoft of old to this Microsoft, you know, that has come a long way, but is still continuously learning and developing and maturing. That you put down to leadership.
0: I mean, I was not there before Satya Nadella, but there are, you know, there's bits of the mythology at Microsoft that you're very aware of when you when you're part of Microsoft, and um, it, it it feels very strongly to me that the purposeful. You know s- successful shift that microsoft has had is significantly down to satya nadella and, and his leadership and and the the leadership of the team that he's built around him to, to, to deliver that through um and the, the relentlessness with which that is imparted inside the organization means that it is it's inculcated very vividly inside everything that we do.
1: It's fantastic to you, especially big companies like that using the influence that they have to do good. Now, from year on end, for the the more immediate future, there's a question I wanna ask, right? So, So I believe that while the value that both enterprise and society can gain, from data and analytics or the use of data and analytics is ubiquitous, right? It is widely accepted and commonly known, not just for competitive advantage, but indeed for survival, right? And I firmly believe that it is our collective responsibility of those data practitioners or data professionals in every regard across all facets of the ecosystem to pick up the mantle and ensure that you know, step by step, we scale the value realized from data and analytics. What part do you think you will and can play towards making that a reality?
0: It sits behind everything that I do in my job. I mean, probably I'll extend that out into my into bits of my life as well. But um, But fundamentally, my job at the moment, particularly in this Incredibly uncertain time as we as we manage through the crisis and into a world beyond it. My job is to help organisations learn, experiment, and scale their way to success. That that's 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 ultimately what I do as as mm-hmm. the CTO for Microsoft Consulting in the UK. That's that's what I'm I'm there to help them do. That learning process, that ability to to understand what's happening around them in order for them to draw insights that they will then use as the basis for experimenting and discovering successful strategies, and then subsequently taking those successful strategies to scale and realizing the benefits of that. The whole process begins with data. It it begins with the ability to you know, acquire, process, make sense of, and draw insights from the the data that that they're engaged with. It's everything. It's the the thing that will drive the innovation that we need um, to 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 grow as a society sure. beyond the beyond the pandemic. And and how
1: do you go about doing that? If you could just summarize it, what what are the parts you play in? In actually achieving that
0: much of what i do at the moment has got you know microsoft's tool set behind it so i'm giving my customers the confidence to be able to use the technology that microsoft has in all three of those areas you show how the application of technologies like iot or or even application data or, um, or computer vision data or, or any any data sources to, to use that rich telemetry that they're gaining from those, those endpoints to actually draw insight from what they're seeing, use structured models of analysis and, and often you know, machine learning automated analysis to then define the experiments that they might want to test and build applications in an efficient regulated cloud environment which is where i am yeah um, and then recognize very readily which of those experiments are the basis for long term success when they've identified that they they scale it and and achieve that bottom line impact that they need
1: okay fantastic Richard, this has been, as always, our conversations are are thought-provoking, they're insightful um, and they're impactful. And this has been no different. Um, So before we kind of wrap up, one of the questions that I ask every guest on the show is how music or whether there is an artist and a song that inspires you or that inspires that sense of curiosity When you think about the impact of music on you, your life and your creative process, what comes to mind?
0: I'm not naturally a a musical person, but there has always been a backdrop of music to the journey that I've been on. Um, I am never far away from Prince. (laughs) Been, the Prince has been there through throughout much of the kind of, I suppose, the life-defining moments of, of my journey. Um, and I, you know, instinctively, I, I I I keep thinking of 1999. I just probably because it was such a such an impactful period yeah. that there was a lot going on in my life. And if there was a, a bridge point between um, the absence of self-awareness and increasing self-awareness it was probably happening around 1999 it's the it's the the year when my first child was born it was the year that i was making that transition between the world of engineering and the world of of management consultancy it was when i was doing my mba Um, but it also clearly has a technological impact as well, because it was the time when the world was convinced that the, yeah, the millennium. The, the post- Y2K now, bug. Perhaps that even resonates now with the pandemic and the crisis that we're in. That perhaps it's not time to party like it's 1999, <laughs> but at least to have that sense of actually, you know, this is a this is a period that we can get through.
1: Okay, now that that is spot on. I love Prince as an artist myself. So with that, Richard, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and being a guest. And yeah, good luck with
0: the rest. Absolutely. It's, been, it's awesome. been an absolute pleasure, um, that's a very indulgent pleasure. But but thank you for thank you for a terrific conversation. Thank you. Awesome.
1: Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, then please like, share, and subscribe. Original music created by SolarKid, produced by Spotcaster at Boabalp, and branding by Victoria at Generic, a Moac Sun company.